0: Welcome to the Investment Clinic Live, your monthly 30-minute online chat with an investor. And now your host, Brindusa Burrows.
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the last free Investment Clinic Live of the year. We're very excited to host today Rob Kaplan, founder and CEO of Circulate Capital. My name is Brindusa Burrows. I'm the founder and CEO of The Ground Up Project, and I'm really excited to host you all today. So let's get going. Just a quick word about the Investment Clinic. We have set up the Investment Clinic earlier this year because we recognize that getting investment or investor ready is actually the number one challenge of an impact venture. We work with sustainable businesses who are looking to raise impact funding. And we realize that a lot of the work regarding financial modeling or revenue models or feedback on investment teasers, you know, assessing pitch decks, trying to understand what investors are really expecting from you when you are fundraising is your number one challenge. The Investment Clinic Live is a series of products that help you connect directly with those who invest impact money so that you can learn from them exactly what are their expectations and how they make their choices, how they think about their strategy and and so on. And I should remind you, as I did at the beginning, that the um, recordings of the latest Impact Virtual Summit focused on zero waste build a profitable business are now available at impactvirtualsummit.com. So if you'd like to learn more about investing in the circular economy, the business models of the circular economy, you're welcome to access this content at impactvirtualsummit.com. So without further ado, Rob, I'd like to welcome to you to the call. And thank you for joining us. We're looking at your bio now. I must say, when I read your bio, and this is way before you came to the Impact Virtual Summit last month, I was really struck by the fact that your entire career is focused on sustainability, actually. Uh, you've mm-hmm. always uh, focused on whether it was corporate responsibility, at brown former corporation, or you were director of sustainability at Walmart stores. You were then co-founder and managing director of closed-loop partners. Today, you are founder, CEO of Circular Capital. What drives you? You know, what drove you, I guess, from from the early days? To get to the sustainability path, and when others perhaps at the time were choosing different different pathways.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's a and it's one that I've asked myself many times over the past decade or so. You know, I actually before I went to the private sector I actually started my career in, in politics and public policy, and uh, through the course of many years of of disenchantment through that process, got very interested in the in the business case for. The causes that I believe in and I realized that you know I really am in many ways an activist at heart but found that the more effective way for me to drive change was on the inside in partnership with with the private sector to um, show that it's in their best interest in the private sector's best interest to invest in solutions that drive both financial outcomes and environmental outcomes Um, and that you know, sort of quest for more impact using that as my lens really led me down this path.
1: And have you found that the the context has changed a lot in the corporate world since then?
0: Oh, yeah. It's been a fascinating journey over the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Back, I remember at the beginning of my career in this space, you know, it was very much an outsourced kind of concept. It was just beginning to have some traction inside companies, and really, from the social side, and sort of more known as corporate social responsibility or CSR. Mm-hmm. And you know this the idea of corporate sustainability and and how it plays a role within large corporations has really changed to be much more connected to the business. It's a sort of clear part of how leading companies see their role in society. You know, there's still a lot of tensions within. private sector around these ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of legacy around what measurement, how things are measured and what success looks like and quarterly returns and things like that. But you know there's in most cases I've found the conversation to be less about you know should we do anything but more about how do we do it.
1: In in this context I think uh, zero waste and, and the whole circular economy concept fits really nicely because Zero waste really does drive to the core of business and it drives to a sort of a win-win, doesn't it? to For the economy and for the environment and for people, eventually. So on that, I'd like to ask you, first of all, you know, why you founded Closed Loop Partners? And what do you think was its main achievement? Tell us a bit about that. Because it seems, if I understand correctly, that Circulate Capital is a bit of an offspring, right? Of
0: Closed Loop Partners. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh I co-founded Closed Loop Partners to help solve a problem. At the time, I was at Walmart leading sustainability initiatives there, especially greenhouse gas reduction and sustainable packaging. And we were very interested in how could we increase the amount of recycled material in packaging as a way to prevent waste, but really as a way to reduce the cost of every package and also reduce the carbon footprint of every package on the shelf. And as we started to engage deeply into our supply chain, we recognized that it wasn't so much an issue of demand. Many of our supplier partners like Coke and Pepsi and Procter & Gamble and Unilever didn't have access to the quality and quantity of supply they needed to meet their own goals, let alone the ones we were interested in expanding or increasing from the Walmart side. Mm -hmm. And we zeroed in on one key part of the problem, which was a lack of access to capital at the local and municipal level for recycling infrastructure and companies to expand their work, um, to increase that quality and quantity of supply. That's you know when we realized that there was this supply chain innovation investment opportunity that could be built on a, on a rising tide lifts all boats strategy, right? Where we could pool resources from a number of these companies to create a, a better system that would benefit everybody. And uh, that's that's really why we created Closed loop Partners in the first
1: place. Mm-hmm. And Circulate Capital was born just a couple of years ago?
0: Uh, even less than that. I guess we started working on the early seeds of it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. A number of our corporate partners came to us and asked us to think about what it would take to expand our scope or our geography. There had research had just come out from The Ocean Conservancy that found that more than half of the plastic that flows into the ocean comes from South and Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just starting to hit the radar screen at the time, really. And, uh, you know, a number of the companies noted that closed loop fund was really working for them in the U.S., but they had a lot more waste and recycling challenges that were much more pronounced in emerging markets than they were here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started researching it. And originally the plan was to do this over a period of two to three years as part of Closed Loop. But in the time that we were doing that work of looking at the investment landscape in Southeast Asia and developing a, a potential strategy, the, the landscape changed and ocean plastic became this much more urgent topic, particularly in that region. And uh, the corporate partners we were working on behalf of asked us to accelerate. And that's where circular capital came from.
1: Hmm. and you have recently raised what is it ninety million dollars was it in investment yep. from corporate partners? How many corporate partners? Seven Seven. And are you planning to increase um, some more? Are you welcome to other corporate partners in the future?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really just our first set of founding investors. We expect we're in a number of conversations with with several others, and you know expect to continue to welcome companies in Because this really is a system challenge that requires a system solution. And part of our our approach is that the companies who invest with us aren't really interested in owning this infrastructure as a competitive advantage. And that the more companies that are involved, the the stronger the program will be.
1: Right. And have you already started investing in your strategy?
0: Yeah, we, we actually have not yet. We've just been able to announce our initial expected capital commitments, which you noted. And we're in the process of ramping up our investment process and infrastructure to allow us to start deploying capital in 2019. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've been researching the pipeline and the investment opportunities over the last year or so. So we're ready to start pretty quickly as soon as we, you know, get through the next month or so, uh, finalizing those commitments and, and turning them from, you know, intent to reality. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly Right. So many of the, the viewers and the listeners of the podcast as well are entrepreneurs. And, and our goal is to help entrepreneurs understand how investors think about deploying capital. So one of the things is that, that is recurrent is, you know, what are the things that you're currently looking for in terms of circular economy investment? So what types of mm-hmm. companies, what types of investment, where in the world, what size, if you can tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yep, and uh, for anybody interested in our work, I'll just sort of note that we have published our investment criteria and a request for proposals for funding on our website at circulatecapital.com/rfp. So we're trying to be as transparent as possible with those seeking capital about what we're looking for. I'd say that you know from our end, we are focused in South and Southeast Asia, which is where we think we could have a a real impact on marine debris and ocean plastic. Mm -hmm. We're looking for equity and debt investment opportunities in a minimum of two and a half to $5 million that we would invest. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to invest more, of course. We're looking at kind of, I'd say, two general categories of companies. There's startup waste and recycling companies. These are entrepreneurs who are operating in in our target countries, which are India, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, and the Philippines, although we're able to invest across Southeast Asia. And uh, you know, they've been building a business for a couple of years, probably bootstrapping. They are often engaged with the informal sector in some capacity where they're buying the material and aggregating it and adding some kind of value to it. And they're now ready to, to take on some capital to bring another level of scale to what they're doing. And then the second that category that we're very interested in is sort of small and medium-sized waste and recycling projects, usually in the 10 to $30 million range total. They uh, are plastic recycling facilities or new technologies that are processing plastics and other forms of waste. In general, we're looking for integrated waste management solutions in high plastic leaking countries. We're not really on the cleanup side or the harvesting plastic from the ocean side. We're very much more on the prevention um, side of the equation. And um, we also have recognized that there's a lot of technical assistance and capacity building needed on the ground in these markets. So we um, have also created an initiative called the Incubator Network by Circulate Capital and Second Muse, which is designed to provide uh, philanthropic dollars as well as technical assistance to incubation programs across those regions. So, for example, there's the Ocean Plastic Prevention Accelerator in Surabaya, Indonesia, that is up and running, and we're providing some support to them. McKinsey.org, which is a nonprofit arm of McKinsey, has launched a program that we're hoping to support as well, and they're part of the network. And, and of course, WeWork has launched a, a labs accelerator program in India that we're connecting into our network. And the idea is that by supporting these kinds of incubation programs, we can provide capacity building and technical assistance to entrepreneurs on the ground who aren't ready yet for a lot of capital, but need some support getting there.
1: And when you invest in a business as an investor, how do you get involved with with the company? Is your approach more hands-on? Is your approach more sort of loose? What is your style as an investor?
0: Yeah. And it kind of depends, actually, if we're doing an equity or a debt investment is one of maybe the big gating criteria is there. Obviously, if we're a lender, we're much less involved than if we're an equity owner. But we expect to be pretty involved. Our sense of of the pipeline and the situation is that it's not just a capital problem, although capital is certainly needed. And that's why we've created an investment strategy. But there's a lot of other pieces to the puzzle around public sector engagement and the connection to these global corporate supply chains that we are engaged with. That's a big part of how we hope to create value. It's not just by the the capital, but also by the support of of our network and our corporate partners.
1: Does that mean that if a company doesn't fit the supply chain of one of the corporate partners of Circulate Capital, you would not necessarily focus on them?
0: No, not necessarily. I think that's a value add that we can bring, but it's not a requirement.
1: Right.
0: We think about investing in these countries from a waste shed perspective. Mm-hmm. If you think about watersheds. You know, There's a geographic area around a source of water. Well, the same thing is in waste, and it's often around population centers. And the, a key part of this is that the further you have to transport waste, the less value you can derive it from it. Right. So you really are restricted in a 50 to 100 kilometer radius around a wa- within a waste shed, or that's sort of how they're defined. And um, sometimes the gaps in there are connected to the supply chains, and sometimes they're not. And a good example might be you know, organic waste, which is a, a huge part of the waste stream and a key part of the problem for making these systems work. Effectively, not really part of our corporate partner supply chains, but solving for that problem will allow the plastic solutions to work much more effectively as well.
1: That makes sense. We talked a little bit about some of the companies that you would focus on in terms of the different types. One of the entrepreneurs online has asked, what are the qualities of a circular company you're looking for? And I think here, if we you know just expand a little bit on that question and think about what are some of the things that you would expect from a company that is looking for funding from you, how will they wow you <laughs> so <laughs> that they they pass your screening test? What are some of the key things that you, you really care about?
0: Yeah. When you think about circular economy, I, th- I think about it in two kind of categories. Because in many ways, circular economy is an aspirational idea. It's not one that we can just flip into today because so much of our reality is based in a linear economy. And so there's sort of an evolutionary strategy and a revolutionary strategy. The revolutionary strategy is you know, a lot more of the, the sexier side of, mm-hmm. of where you can invest, right? These are companies that are reimagining business models from uh, consumable or disposable to reusable and returnable. and uh, Or they're creating new materials that if they scaled, they could revolutionize how packaging is delivered and products are delivered to consumers around the world. But the the path to scale is a lot more challenging for those types of companies, right? They often are in pilot scale or lab stage or they're running in a couple communities, but they're not really scalable yet. And then the, the other side, other bucket we think about is, is the evolutionary side, right? Where you're really an incremental change, like recycling and waste management, for example. But you could move significant amounts of tonnage of waste from the environment. And that's really where we focus most of our you know, One of our core criteria is tons of waste that are currently going into the environment as pollution and can be moved from mismanaged streams to managed streams. And that's partly why we created also the, the incubator program is to allow us to engage with some of those earlier stage ideas and the, the revolutionary side, even though they're not ready for lots of capital yet. So that, that's one big c- gating criteria for us is, you know, we need to see needle moving on the tons. And then the second one I'd say is for our, our strategy is around South and Southeast Asia. Right? We are very focused on those high plastic leaking countries. And a lot of the, the revolutionary opportunities are coming out of the West. They're operating in the U.S. or Europe, and they're not currently on the ground in, in an Indonesia or in India. And you know, while they might be applicable, the biggest question that we often ask right early, early on is, well, who's going to operate this on the ground in Indonesia? It's not the team you currently have in place. So how are you going to solve for that problem?
1: So it is a matter of of capacity as well as a matter of of concept in the end, right? So knowing what you're doing. And, you know, one of the things that we see very often in uh, sustainability focused businesses so businesses that start with the idea of creating impact, as opposed to starting with the idea of creating opportunities for return on investment. But we see this very often in teasers is the, the difficulty of assessing your market. Assessing the market potential and convincing the investor that, you know, you will succeed and that your business actually will make it and and understand how The investor will get a return on their investment. Now, I'm I'm curious if um, when you work with them early on in the incubator, especially on the revolutionary side, right? Because on the evolutionary side, I think there are ways in which you could extrapolate a little bit. But on the revolutionary side, do you also work with entrepreneurs in in assessing and understanding the market as as they go along, as they evolve in their business model?
0: Yeah, I think you know you're hitting on a, a key challenge for startups in the circular economy space. But I I also think that most investors who are particularly interested in circular economy or any kind of revolutionary idea understand leap of faith that has to happen on the path to scale. Mm -hmm. One thing that I have noted, though, in the circular economy space in particular, is that oftentimes these are more traditional businesses rather than um, Silicon Valley-style venture opportunities. Mm -hmm. And there is a disconnect between, I'd say, the majority of investors who come from that that Silicon Valley mindset and thinking about scale in terms of a digital platform, which is really where most of that investing comes from, right? And versus, you know, people buying a different type of package, which happens at a different rate of scale versus, you know, downloading apps, for example. Mm-hmm. And so the most of the venture returns that people the investors expect are in the 20 or 30x in a matter of years. That path of scale is not usually possible, or that rate of scale is not usually possible, possible in uh, circular economy companies that are based on physical and tangible waste streams.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> How long is your investment horizon?
0: So we have structured our strategy around a traditional kind of 10-year or so, um, we have some ability to extend, but a 10-year fund.
1: That makes a lot of sense in terms of the evolution of the, of the business model that you just described, but also in terms of, of the impact, making sure that you balance the achievement of, of the impact that you're, that you're seeking. You were talking earlier about your focus on on Southeast Asia and and South Asia. And we have a question actually from an investor who's asking, who are your partners in Asia and what are some of the innovations that are coming out of Asia?
0: So, you know, we spent about a year or so looking for at the investment landscape in South and Southeast Asia. We looked at five countries, we focused more on India and Indonesia. There are I'd say a nascent set of investors active in this space in those countries. It's one of the reasons why we created our strategy. There's certainly not enough activity happening. There are some high net worth individuals and family offices that are playing. There are some impact funds that have waste and have done a couple initial transactions, um, but there's definitely not enough activity for local investors. It's one of the reasons why we're domiciling our our strategy and company in Singapore is to help build that, that community further. The uh, way we've sort of described it is that there's a, a missing middle. There's a, a lot of opportunity happening at, at the front end of the pipeline where you've got early stage, you know, $100,000 to $1 million kind of opportunities. And then you've got billions of dollars on the far side of the equation but there aren't enough investors active between. And this missing middle is really uh, holding back a lot of the investment activity. So we focused our strategy on trying to demonstrate that there is a possible investable track record here, that there is a strong and robust pipeline, and that you can build uh, funds in this space. And we hope that by doing that and de-risking deals through our Expertise and networks, we can bring more co investors into the space.
1: Thanks for answering that. Then the last question focuses on large companies uh, always support large foundations, so large entities. If I had to summarize the question, really is how do small entities get to make themselves known to large corporates? So, what are some of the channels through which small initiatives and small projects can actually be known by? by corporate partners.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I've worked in corporate investing and supply chain investing for 10 to 15 years and I one I'm I'm always very cautious about suggesting that startups engage with corporations. It's an enticing idea, right? If only my material my new material or my new business model were picked up by a Coca-Cola or a Procter and Gamble mm-hmm. or a Unilever, that would solve the problem. But It's very difficult for most of these large corporates to engage with pilot-scale programs. And I often encourage entrepreneurs to wait until they're ready before they really start engaging the large companies. Because the large companies, they need scale. And the key gating question I'd ask an entrepreneur who was thinking about that is, when are you going to be able to fill a purchase order? It doesn't really help anybody for you to go spend a lot of your time pitching r&d guys at one of these companies and sort of wallowing in the in the exploration and the due diligence phase and then a year from now you're not able to really actually fulfill a purchase order what would it take to get you to that point who are the smaller partners that you can engage with today to build your track record and build your capacity to understand how to engage with larger players mm. and then and then you know pull that trigger when you're ready
1: well, thank you for that. We're out of time, unfortunately, but this has been a really insightful conversation. Thank you for sharing about Circular Capital and, and what you do there. Maybe just a parting question. If you had one piece of advice for a zero waste or circular economy entrepreneur who's looking for funding, what would that be?
0: Focus on your margins. Understand you know, how you make money and what it costs to, to run your business and understand what it looks like today and understand what it could look like at scale and uh, get yourself into an operating business that can be profitable. That is the core of how I think waste-to-value companies can really work.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. Now, at the Investment Clinic, the Investment Clinic Live podcast is now on SoundCloud and also on iTunes. So look out for the Investment Clinic Live. And stay tuned for more Investment Clinic Live episodes in 2019. And we have some other cool products coming up uh, for impact and circular businesses in the next year. Rob, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me.
0: It's so great to chat with you today.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: For more insights from impact investors, visit www.theinvestmentclinic.com.